Amen. Right over there in Ephesians chapter number 6. And of course, on Sunday nights, we are continuing through this uh, series called Happily Ever After. And uh, we are learning what the Bible has to say about the Christian home and about uh, establishing a family. And we've been really going through a comprehensive uh, study at this. This series has been a lot longer than, than most series that I do. Uh, I think this is sermon number 16 tonight on this subject. And I'm really trying to teach everything I know and everything I can teach you about uh, the Christian home. And uh, of course, last week we talked about uh, raising children and disciplining children. And tonight I want to uh, continue on the subject of children. But specifically tonight I want to speak on the subject of being part of a family-integrated church. And uh, you are sitting, I don't know if you know it or not, but you are sitting in what would be called or classified as a family-integrated church. What family-integrated church means is that we do not separate children from their parents. You've heard me announce this, you know, every, every week if you're part of our church, but we do not separate children from their parents uh, for any reason, ever. Uh, we keep the entire family together during the uh, church service. We allow and encourage parents to sit with their children uh, during church. We, of course, have mother baby rooms and daddy baby rooms, uh, that'll give you privacy if you need it, if your child's being distracting, if you uh, need some privacy. Uh, we've got those rooms. They all have comfortable seating. They have monitors set up so you can watch the service and listen to it. But we are a family-integrated church, and that actually makes us very unique. There are very few family-integrated churches uh, really even across this whole uh, country, and it's an important uh, thing. I, you know, I don't think about it a lot because we've all, all we've ever been is a family integrated church. That's all we've ever known at our church is that we're family integrated. But many of you, many of our church uh, family uh, have chosen to be part of our church. One of the, pri- for many of you, one of the primary reasons you even chose to be part of our church was because of the fact that we were family integrated. And what that means is that we reject this idea of children's ministries. We don't have Sunday school. We don't have children's church. We don't have nurseries. We don't have any ministry in which we separate children uh, from their parents. Now, when, when my wife and I started this church uh, 11 years ago, we started in our living room. And obviously, for many years, we were very, a very small congregation. And people would often assume that, oh, we didn't have those things because, you know, we were newer and we didn't have the workers or whatever. Uh, but it was like, no, we, this is how we're going to be forever. You know, this is our position. We are a family-integrated church. And tonight, I'm not preaching to you on why we are a family-integrated church. I can give you a few reasons. And, uh, you know, just by way of introduction, let me say this. We, we are a family-integrated church because that's the pattern found in Scripture. Um, and we are a family-integrated church because that's the... Uh, mode that best protects children. And, uh, and we are a family-integrated church because we uh, feel that and believe that um, it is the best way to partner with parents to help them raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. With that said, let me say this. I'm not preaching tonight on why we are a family-integrated church. If you've not heard me preach on that subject, I would encourage you uh, to look up a sermon on our website or YouTube channel called Why We Are a Family-Integrated Church. And I Go through the Bible and show you our doctrinal position. Tonight, I'm not trying to convince you as to why we are. What I'm trying to do tonight is to help you 
be the best church member you can be within a family-integrated church. I want to uh, uh, talk to you and teach you about how to be part of a family-integrated church. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm hoping if you're here on a Sunday night at Verity Baptist Church on Memorial Day weekend, I'm assuming that you're probably saved and sold out and, uh, and, and you already agree with us on these things. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, and like I said, that's a sermon for another day. But what I want to do tonight is to not talk to you about why we are, but more about how to, how to be a part of a family-integrated church. And what I'd like to do is give you 10 statements uh, tonight to help you, to help the uh, church family to be part of a family-integrated church, all right? 10 statements, uh, so... Try to write these down if you can, if you'd like. Uh, they're not alliterated, and they're not short, and they're not succinct like I normally give you. But these are just 10 thoughts in regards to being a family-integrated church. Now, you're there in Ephesians chapter number 6, and I'd like you to look down at verse number 4. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So here's statement number 1 in regards to... Being a part of a family-integrated church. Number one, fathers, it is your job to set the example and sit with your family during church. For fathers, it's your job to be the spiritual leader and to set the example in regards to how to be in church. The Bible says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So you dads, you are supposed to be the spiritual leader. You're supposed to be the spiritual head of the home. What kind of example are you setting for your children? Do you want your kids to remember you as that guy that was always talking during church, always messing around during church, always on his phone during church, always not paying attention during church? Because look, when it comes to raising children, you can tell your kids whatever you want to tell them all day long. But what sends the greatest message is the way you act and the way you live your life. The things that you do are going to be embedded into the DNA of your children. And when your children look over at dad and he's got a hymn book open and he's singing the hymns and he's got his Bible open and he's taking notes during the preaching and he's following along in the scriptures and he's writing things down and he has his eyes closed uh, during the prayer time and he's taking the worship of God seriously, hey, that's going to teach your children that this is something that's important. But when they look over at you and you've got the news on your phone, you know what you're, what you're telling your kids is, this doesn't matter. This is just a big waste. So, you know, the, 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 the number one thing about being a family-integrated church is that you, Dad, need to set the example. You need to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You need to teach your children that church is important, that we make it a priority, that the house of God is important, that God is important. And that this is something that we want to do, and that it's something that we should do. Look, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be remembered as that guy. I want to be remembered as the guy that led his family spiritually, that set the example at church, that did everything in his power to bring up his children in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So statement number one, fathers, set the example. Sit with your family during church and set the example. Say amen. Be involved. Be connected. Pay attention. Follow along in your, um, in your Bible and, and do all of those things. By the way, let me just say this. For those of you men, and I appreciate you that serve around here, maybe you're ushers or you're part of the safety team and you've got things you've got to do during the service. I understand that. 
but make sure you're setting the example too. I understand that you've got responsibilities, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you help us keep this uh, uh, church uh, safe, and you help us with hospitality and, and, and all those things, and, and, and the ushers and the safety team, they've got lots of things that they do around here, and they help during the church service, and I appreciate you, but let me remind you, ushers and safety team, that nowhere in your training were you told that your job was to sit in the foyer and talk throughout the whole service. Nowhere in your training were you told that your job was to not pay attention during church. We, we put a stinking speaker out there for a reason, and uh, you need to be setting the example as well, please. You need to be uh, making sure that you're showing people that, hey, church is important, and while we've got jobs to do, and we've got tasks to do, and we've got things to do, we take the house of God seriously. You say, why, why are you passionate about it? You know, I'm passionate about men just stepping up and being the leaders they're supposed to be. Being the men and not just allowing your wives to be the spiritual head in your home, but you actually caring about the things of God. So fathers, set the example. Sit with your family during church. And of course, I understand if you've got us working somewhere, you're doing something, you can't sit with them. I understand that. But make sure you're setting the example and you're showing people and you're showing these young people all around here that this is serious and this is something we care about. So fathers, number one, set the example to sit with your church family during church. Number two, husbands, still talking to the men. Husbands, here's something you could do. Take the baby from time to time for your wife so that she can sit through a church service. Now, obviously, I'm talking, about, I'm talking to families that have young children and babies and toddlers, and we've got uh, uh, mother baby rooms and daddy rooms and all of that. But look, husband, something you could do to be part of a family integrated church is from time to time. I'm not saying every service. Maybe, maybe once a week. Maybe pick one service a week and you can take the baby from your wife so that she can actually sit through a church service and be in church every once in a while. You're there in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 25 Ephesians 5.25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husband, as a spiritual leader of your home, you are also to see to the spiritual well-being of your wife. I mean, if, if you've got babies and toddlers and small children, you know, when was the last time your, your wife even sat through a church service and listened to preaching? And look, I, I, I realize preaching sermons like this, when they're super practical and highly specific, nobody likes it and everybody's mad at me and that's fine. I don't, I don't, I can live with that. But I'm trying to help you out here. It's not healthy for your wife to just not go to church for like 12 years of her life. She needs to sit under the preaching of the Word of God. And you as a husband, every once in a while, you could take the baby and let your wife sit through church and let her hear some preaching as well. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I have to communicate this because as the pastor of the church, obviously I'm the guy who is up here uh, preaching and I'm not able to really set this example um, in a practical way uh, like I would like to. 
But, you know, I, I just want you to know this. Whenever I'm here and whenever I'm not preaching, whenever there's not... Uh, um, there's a guest speaker or something like that. And obviously our children are a little older now, but when we have had little babies, I did my best when I wasn't preaching to take the baby uh, so that my wife could actually sit through a church service without having, you know, four little kids all on her and having to take them out because they're crying and things like that. Look, I'm just saying, Dad, you could step in and help. And I would really encourage you to pick, you know, pick a service a week and say, you know, on this service, I'm going to take the baby. I'm going to sit out there in the foyer. There's, look, there's screens everywhere around here. There's speakers everywhere around here. If the ushers and the safety team won't shut up, you can ask them to be quiet so you can listen to the preaching. You can, you can do, do what you got to do and let your wife be in church, and you can still listen to preaching. We've got screens everywhere. We've got foyers everywhere. We've got speakers everywhere. We've got daddy rooms for you. Hey, you can help by taking the baby from time to time and allow your wife to sit through a church service. And if you're like, well, my wife doesn't want to sit through a church service, that's a problem too. <laughs> that's a sermon for another day. Go to First uh, Thessalonians. You're there in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Sometimes I feel like David and I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians. So, fathers, set the example and sit with your family during church. Number two, husbands, take the time, uh, excuse me, take the baby from time to time uh, and allow your wife to sit through a church service. Here's number three. I've been getting on the guys for a a little bit, so let me get on the ladies. Number three, ladies, do not use the mother-baby rooms as a fellowship area during the church service. Maybe somebody can go knock on the mother-baby rooms and let the ladies know they should be paying attention to this point. 1 Thessalonians 5.20, the Bible says, despise not prophesying. The word despise means to consider worthless or unworthy of my attention. The word prophesying is in reference to preaching. The Bible commands us that we should not despise prophesying, that we should not consider preaching as worthless or unworthy of our attention. Every time the Word of God is open, it's worthy of your attention. Every time the Word of God is open, it's worthy of you listening and you uh, paying attention and you learning. And ladies, in a family-integrated church, you need to guard that you do not use the mother-baby rooms as a fellowship area during the church services. Hey, we want you to fellowship. Show up early and fellowship. Stay late and fellowship. I've never known of a more fellowshipping church than this church. We literally have to start flipping the light switches at the end of the night and telling people, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here uh, because people just want to stay in fellowship. And I praise God for that. But when the time for preaching, that's not time to be talking. It's not time to be fellowshipping. It's not time to be. And look, when people are complaining about, you know, the, the mothers are just too loud in the mother baby room, that's a problem. I understand when they're saying like, hey, the babies are just being too loud in the mother baby room. When they're like, hey, the moms are being too loud in the mother baby room. It's like, what in the world? Ladies should not be holding long conversations in the mother baby rooms. They should not be on their phones. They should not be sleeping. They should not be, they should be at church paying attention. I mean, would you do that if you were sitting in the auditorium? You know, you should show some respect in the mother-baby rooms, and treat it like you're in church. 
And look, if, if, you, if you're not interested in the things of God, don't assume that everyone else in that room isn't. Because there are some ladies in that room that actually want to listen to the preaching of the Word of God. And it's difficult when you're just, you know, pulling out the Monopoly board and trying to get them to play during the, game, the, the, the church service. You know? Just because you don't care doesn't mean other ladies don't care. And they may want to hear the preaching. So make sure that you're not using the mother baby rooms as a fellowship area during the church services. Number four, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And before you start writing your little email to me about how I have to preach that sermon because of me, I preached this sermon like five times in the last 11 years. If you've been part of our church, none of this is new. You've heard me say all these things. I'm literally preaching the exact 10 points that I preached many times. You say, why are you preaching again? Because every once in a while, we just need to hear it again. You're like, huh, ever since I became an usher, pastor started yelling at the ushers. I've been yelling at the ushers for a long time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you don't believe me, I can send you the links. Same sermon. We got to hear it again. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 15, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I said, number one, fathers, set the example and sit with your family during church. Number two, husbands, take the baby from time to time and allow your wife to sit through the church service. Number three, ladies, do not use the mother baby rooms as a fellowship area. During the church services, I don't know if you've ever seen these signs we have on there, but it pretty much says, I don't remember the exact wording, I wrote it a certain way and then my wife translated it to something nicer, but it pretty much says, shut up and listen. It's somewhere in there, something like that. Number four, keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after the church services. The Bible says that there's a way we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Children, and look, we're a family-integrated church, so let me just say this in defense of children. Children that have been sitting quietly during a church service should be allowed to play after the service. I, I believe that. And, you know, our church is not like most churches where the kids go off to some play thing while we're having church. No, your children have been sitting in an auditorium, paying attention, sitting quietly uh, during church. And I believe that I don't think you need to just make them like after the service, you know, for an hour and a half. They have to sit in their seats quietly. Hey, I think they should be allowed to play after the service. I think they should be allowed to play uh, with, with their friends. So I'm not saying to not let your children play. I think they should play. But I am saying that you need to not let them get just too out of control and rambunctious. Okay, these children, I get it. They've been sitting in church. They've not been running around during the church service. They should be allowed to play. But there should be a limit to their playing and how carried away they should be allowed in their playing. And look, I'm just telling you this. Our church, over the years, as it has grown, we have several elderly people in our church. We've got several disabled people in our church. We've got all sorts of pregnant ladies walking around here in this church, and we don't need a bunch of kids just running over them and trampling over them uh, because they're, they're playing too roughly. So 
You need to keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after the church services. And they should play, and they should be allowed to play. But we can't just let them get out of control. So, if, look, the only way this works is if everybody does their part. So you got to keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after the church service. We don't want some elderly lady in our church falling over and breaking uh, a bone or something because or some uh, man in our church falling over because the kids were running too fast by them or ran into them or something like that. So keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after church service. And look, kids, kids are going to be kids. They're going to run. And they're going to they're do those things. You say, well, what do I do? They just have to just mom and dad remind them. You know, hey, if you got to remind them every week, remind them every week. And, and, and keep them from getting too out of control. Uh, go, to, go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2. You're there in 1 Timothy. You're going to go past 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 uh, Peter. 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Sometimes people ask me, Pastor, are you angry? And I tell them, I'm not, I'm, I'm not angry. I just talk like this. Number one... Father, set the example and sit with your family during church. Number two, husbands, take the baby from time to time to allow your wife to sit through a church service. That'd be nice. Number three, ladies, do not use the mother baby rooms as a fellowship area during the church services. Number four, keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after the church services. Number five, this is a big one. If you haven't liked any of the other ones, you should at least pay attention to this one. Here's number five. Always watch your kids, period. Always watch your kids, period. See, this is a family-integrated church. We have a family-integrated church to protect our children. We make you a promise that we as a church are never going to ask you to separate yourself from your children and put them in some other room or put them in some other location away from you with strangers that you don't know. We're never going to do that to you. I believe that the family-integrated model is the safest model for church in general. Because children should always be with their children and being, uh, uh, children should always be with their parents and being watched by their parents. So family integrated church is in general a much safer church experience than if you were to go somewhere and they were to take your kids away from you and take them to some other building or some other area of the church building away from you with people that you don't know. I agree, family integrated is safer. With that said, let me say this, family integrated doesn't mean that you get to stop watching your kids. In fact, the whole point of being family integrated is that you're supposed to watch your kids. They're supposed to be with you. You're supposed to keep an eye on them. And you say, well, why? What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. There could be predators anywhere. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14. Notice what the Bible says about false prophets here in 2 Peter 2.14. It says, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Notice, beguiling unstable souls. And I believe that that phrase, unstable souls, could be a reference to children. In heart, they have exercised with covetous practices. Notice the context, curse of children. Here we're told that these reprobates, they were cursed children themselves. 
And now they have eyes full of adultery. They're beguiling unstable souls. Look at verse 18, same chapter, 2 Peter 2, 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, notice, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. And look, I'm here to tell you something. Family integrated churches in general are safer, and we're never going to ask you to uh, be separated from your children. But just understand something. Just because we're a family integrated church does not mean that some pedophile or some reprobate can't come into this building. I mean, we're a church that is open for services to the, to the public. And, and look, I'm also not telling you to just be suspicious of every single person you don't know. But I am telling you this, that your job is to always watch your kids. And look, as a pastor, let me help you out a little bit. You need to watch your kids all the time, everywhere. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about everywhere. But let me just emphasize, even church. You say, Pastor, do you know of any problems? Do you know of someone? Are you suspicious? Look, I don't know of anybody that I have any suspicions of. I don't have, we don't have any issues like that. But I'm just telling you, you don't know. I don't know. So watch your kids. Don't allow your children to go to the bathroom by themselves, even in church. And obviously, I'm not talking about older children. I'm talking about your little young children. Don't send them off to, look, and look, let me just help you out a little bit. You're at a restaurant somewhere, don't send your little kids just off to the bathroom by themselves. But I'm telling you, even at church, you know, if you make sure you go to the bathroom, you watch them, uh, send your older children with them, and look, we've got a safety team and men that are watching everything and all of that, but at the end of the day, mom and dad, it is your responsibility. So look, we're going to do everything in our power to keep your children safe. But we can't control every little thing. So here's my advice to you. This is a family-integrated church, so always watch your kids. Period. Always watch your kids. Don't allow your your young children to go to the bathroom by themselves, even in church. You know, let me just say this as well. We do not condone of sleepovers. We, We are against sleepovers. Now, look, you do whatever you want in your home or whatever, but... If sleepovers become a thing at this church, just know this. Pastor Jimenez, Miss Joanne Jimenez, we're against it. We're not for it. We don't think there's any reason why any child needs to not sleep in their own bed under the roof of their mom and dad every night till they're married, period. Amen. And you say, why are you saying, I look, I'm just saying, here's what I'm saying, because nobody ever wants to ask for our advice. But they want to come to us when bad things happen. So let me just give you some advice you should have asked for. We're against sleepovers. We're against you sending off your little children to be watched by somebody that you don't know. You know, and, and even in a family-integrated church, here's the best advice I can give you. Watch your kids. Period. End of story. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, set the example. Sit with your family. Husbands, take the baby. Help your wife out. Let her sit through a church service. Ladies, don't use the mother-baby rooms as a fellowship area. Uh... Keep your kids from running and roughhousing. Always watch your kids. Here's number six. Use your family Bible time or homeschool time at home to train your kids to sit through the church service. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, I want you to notice in this epistle, Paul writes these words. He says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. I want you to notice that in this passage, the Apostle Paul is addressing the children of the church at Ephesus. He writes this letter called the book of Ephesians to the congregation, to the church at Ephesus. And in this letter, he's addressing different people. Paul is speaking to different people. In chapter 5, Paul was addressing husbands and wives. In chapter 6, Paul addresses children. And then he addresses servants. He also addresses uh, masters. You say, why is that important? Why are you bringing that up? Well, let me show you something. Go to Colossians chapter 4. You're there in Ephesians. You're going to go past Philippians into the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 4. And, and, I, and I want you to, to, to get this or see this. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16. Colossians 4, 16. The Bible says, And when this epistle is read among you. So I want you to notice, in the epistle, which was a letter to the church at Colossae, known as the epistle of the Colossians, Paul gives these instructions. He says, and when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So I want you to notice that Paul is instructing the church at Colossians saying, look, I wrote this letter for you, the church at Colossae, but it's not just for you. Make sure you read it out loud. Notice what he says. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of Laodicea. So he says, I want you to take this and read it out loud. That's one of the reasons why at Verity Baptist Church, we stand up before, before every time I get up and preach, and we open up the Word of God, and we have a time of reading a portion of Scripture together. Why? Because Paul expected the Word of God to be read out loud in church. And he tells them, read it in church, and then send it to another church and have them read it. And the letter that I wrote them, have them send that to you, and then you read it. And I'm showing that to prove to you that there was an expectation from the Apostle Paul that this letter that he wrote would be read out loud to the congregation. Now, with that context in mind, I want you to understand something. When Paul wrote a letter expecting it to be read to the congregation, in that letter, he addresses the children and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You say, why did Paul address the children in the letter that he expected to be read to the congregation? Here's why. Because he fully expected the children to be sitting in the congregation. He didn't say, and send this P.S. over to the children's church. Have this read out loud in the Sunday school class. Have this read out loud in the nursery. No, he fully expected the children to be sitting in the congregation. So when he wrote a letter that was to be read to the congregation, he addresses husbands, he addresses wives, he addresses servants, he addresses masters, but he also addresses children. He speaks to the children and he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He expected them to sit in the church service. And look, you should expect your children to be able to sit in the church services. So how do you do that? Well, you should use your family Bible time or your homeschool Bible time. You have that, right? I sure hope in a Christian home you, you take some time to read the Bible to your children especially you moms that are educating your children. Use your family Bible time or your homeschool time at home to train your kids to sit quietly, 
to sit in a church service. Look, parents must take the time to train their children to sit quietly at home. The best time to do this is during your family's devotional time or during your Bible time. And look, I'm speaking primarily to the moms because you're the ones that are educating their children at home during your homeschool time. Uh, you need to use that time and, and uh, to teach your children to sit quietly uh, uh, at home so that they will sit quietly at church. Look, you come to church like this, and there's kids all over this auditorium, week after week after week. We're talking about little kids up to big kids, and they're sitting quietly during a church service, and people think, people will say like, man, I'm amazed by the kids in this church. You know, that's amazing that, that they can sit during a church service. But I always think to myself, well, they didn't just show up and sat that way. There was a mom that sat them down on a couch at home on Monday and home on Tuesday and home on Wednesday and home on Thursday and home on Friday and, and, and opened up a Bible and read the Bible to them and instructed them to sit quietly. And when they didn't sit quietly and when they were messing around and when they were playing around, she taught them, she instructed them, she spanked them when needed, she disciplined them, she taught them at home how to sit quietly so they show up to church and they sit quietly. It's amazing. And then mom's like, I can't get my kids to sit quietly. It's because you're not doing it at home. Use your family Bible time to train your kids at home. To sit quietly at home so that they'll do it during the church services. Go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Open up your Bible just right in the center. Proverbs 22, if you open up your Bible right in the center, you're more than likely to find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 22. You know this verse, but let's look at it. You should be using your Bible time at home or your homeschool Bible time to teach and train your children to sit quietly at home so that they will learn to sit quietly at church. But let me say this. You also, number seven, should use the mother baby rooms to train your kids to sit in the church services. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Look, parents, you should utilize the mother baby room during the church services to train your children to sit quietly in those mother baby rooms. That's where you can begin to train them. Now, let me just say, you know, give you, because sometimes I preach stuff like this and people want to ask all these sorts of specific questions. So let me try to get uh, very specific. You know, we believe that you should begin to actively train your children out of the mother baby rooms when they're about two to three years old. Obviously, when you have a, 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 a newborn baby, here's the thing, the, the best children in church are the newborn babies because all, all mom has to do is feed them and they'll be quiet and, and they just sleep and they eat, you know? But obviously, they start getting a little older and they start wanting to, to play and make noises and stuff. So when the children are very young, you have to use the mother baby rooms. But by the time your kid gets to about two years old, three years old, you know, that's time to start actively training them out of the mother baby room. And, and I'm saying that to say, because I preach something like this, and then moms are like, you know, they've got some eight-week-old. They're like, I'm trying to train my eight-week-old to sit quietly in church, like, or my eight-month-old. It's like, no. 
They're eight months old, all right? They're one years old. They're, they're a year and a few months old. They're babies. But when they're two to three years old, you can begin to train them out of the mother-baby rooms, okay? Children that are four years old and up should be fully expected to be able to sit quietly in church, period, all right? I mean, if, you, if you've got a seven or an eight-year-old that's just going crazy in the mother-baby room, there's a major problem. When they're four years old, when they're five years old, unless there's some sort of a medical reason, there is no reason in the world why a four- and a five-year-old cannot sit quietly through a church service. You should expect that. And you need to train that. You need to train into that. So when they're two to three years old, Begin to actively train them out of the mother-baby rooms. When they're four, you know, what's my goal? Here's your goal. A four- and a five-year-old should be able to sit in a church service. Let me say this. It is appropriate to allow children that are one to two years old to play quietly in the mother-baby room. You have a one-year-old and a two-year-old, don't go into the mother-baby room and sit your little one-year-old down and say, now you pay attention. I don't care that the moms are all playing Monopoly. You pay attention and watch the service here. Okay? They're one year. I know you ladies don't think that's funny. I think it's funny. That's why I say it. I think it's funny that you never even know I make those jokes because you're playing Monopoly at the the baby room. But, you know, you got your little one-year-old or two-year-old and you sit them down. Hey, you know, it's okay to let your one-year-old or your two-year-old to just sit and play quietly in the mother-baby room. Obviously, they should not be out of control, but it's okay for them to play. You take them to that mother-baby room, you know, they get fussy, fussy or they, get, they, they, they start making a lot of noise. You take them in there, and it's okay for them to play. Children that are two to three years old and up, you need to begin training them to sit still and quietly in the mother-baby rooms. That's what these rooms are actually for. So you can train them to sit quietly when they're two, when they're three years old, so you can have them out of there by the time they're four, five years old. The point is to train your kids out of the mother-baby room and daddy-baby room. And look, if you're like, I don't care, I'm just going to, whatever. Here's where it starts becoming difficult for you, mom. Let me give you some motivation why you should want to actively train your kids. It's because when you get pregnant again and you got another kid, you're going to wish that four-year-old could sit quietly because now you got a one-year-old or a two-year-old that you can't expect to sit quietly. So you got to keep that train moving. you got to, get, got, you got to train them out of the mother-baby room so they can sit next to dad in the church service and pay attention and be quiet. The point is to train your kids out of the mother-baby rooms, out of the daddy-baby rooms, not when they're one, not when they're two, but when they're two to three years old, you want to start training them to sit quietly so that when they're four to five years old, they can behave themselves and sit quietly in the church service. And let me just say this. Families that are not accustomed to the family-integrated church model, you know, we have guests that come from all over this community. They've never gone to church. They don't know anything about church. And when they have gone to church, they were able to drop off their kids somewhere else and not worry about it. So obviously, some brand-new Christian walks in here with their family, and they're not accustomed to a family-integrated church model. You know, they're, they may have children that are not used to sitting through the church services. That's okay. You know, be patient with them. Don't look down on them. Don't, don't walk up to them and say, hey, I got a list of 10 things you should read here that I <laughs> pastor gave me, told me to tell you. You know, obviously be patient with them. Give them time to grow, all right? But the whole point 
is that we're training our children. You say, this sounds like a lot of work. Training is a lot of work. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Number eight, go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. I said, number one, fathers, set the example, sit with your kids. Number two, uh, husbands, take the baby from time to time. Allow your wife to sit through a church service. Number three, ladies, don't use the mother baby room as a fellowship uh, hall during church. You know, pay attention in there. Number four, keep your kids from running or roughhousing before or after the church services. Number five, always watch your kids, period. Number six, use your family Bible time or homeschool time uh, to train your kids at home to sit through a church service. Number seven, use the mother baby rooms to train your kids to sit in the services. Here's number eight. Do not allow your children to be a distraction during the church service. Now look, kids are going to be a distraction. Proverbs 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Kids are going to be bad. They're going to make noise. They're going to be a distraction. That's expected, and that's fine. And by the way, let me just tell you something. Kids being a distraction in church, even when they're not, when they're being more distracting than the parents should allow, that never bothers me, just so you know. It never bothers me. I never have an issue with it. Sometimes people walk up and be like, I'm sorry that my kid was, was you know, crying, and I'm like, I didn't even notice. All right, you know, I, I, for some reason, when I start preaching, I get in this zone where, like, the building could be on fire, and, you know, hopefully the safety team will come and get me or something, you know, because I, I, it, it doesn't bother me. Now, let me tell you what does bother me is grown adults that are distracting. That pisses me off, you know. I get your kids having to get up and use the bathroom 10 times, but, you know, grown adults grow up. Um, so, you know, don't, don't you be distracting talking during the service and doing things you shouldn't be doing. But your kids, look, it's fine. They're going to be distracting. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. We understand that. But let me just give you some guidelines in regards to this, okay? Parents. Parents should not attempt to train their children or calm down their children while sitting in the auditorium. This is what the mother baby room is for. This is what the daddy baby room is for. So use it. So don't sit in the auditorium and try to train your kids to sit quietly in church. No, no. You train them at home. You train them in the auditorium. Once you got that packed out, then you bring them in here. All right? But don't try to actively train your children during the church service. And look, I understand sometimes kids, they start just kind of messing around, and you're just trying to kind of keep them quiet or whatever. I get that. But look, every parent knows there is a point of no return. Where that kid just like loses it and it's like, ah, and it's done. And look, at that point, your little shh, shh, shh is not doing anything. Just get up and get out. Just go to the mother baby room. Go to the daddy room. You lost. All right? And it's fine. They're one years old. It's okay. They're two years old. They're whatever. Um, but don't do that here. That's what the mother baby room is for. Parents need to promptly and quickly remove their children from the auditorium as soon as the child begins to be distracting. You know, please be considerate of others trying to listen to the sermon in the service, be engaged in the service in the auditorium. Parents with babies and young children who are likely to go in and out of the mother baby rooms. Because look, when, you're, when your kid's in that age, two to three years old, and you're trying to train them, you may have to come in and out of the auditorium several times while you're in that training phase. I get that. 
That doesn't distract me. I think that's great. I commend you for being a parent who's actively trying to train your children. But if you're going to do that, make sure you're sitting near the exits. Make sure you're sitting in the back. Make sure you're sitting in these mother sections that we have set aside for moms uh, with their children so that they can quickly come in and out as they're doing their God-given duty of raising and training their children. You know, if, if, you're, if you have a baby that you may need to come in and out of the service for, you probably don't want to be just sitting on the front row, is what I'm saying. You know, if you're coming in and out of the mother-baby rooms, that's fine. We get that. You're training your kids. Praise the Lord. God bless you. But try to sit somewhere near the exits, somewhere near close to where um, you're, you can come in and out. But let me just say this as well. I'm trying to just over-communicate, answer all the questions, give you all the information you need. If you're coming in and out of the mother-baby rooms excessively, you say, what does that mean? I mean, if it's like two, if, it, if you're coming in and out one or two times, maybe three times, but you're coming in and out four or five times, look, your kid's not ready to sit in the auditorium. Just stay in the mother-baby room. Or maybe they're just having a bad day. Or maybe dad needs to just take the baby so you can sit through, through, uh, through a church service. If you're coming in and out excessively, your child may not be ready to sit in the auditorium and, you're, and you should stay in the mother baby room or daddy room after several attempts of trying to get them to sit out here and look, just help minimize distractions. And look, don't expect, please don't expect your one to two year old to sit still and quietly in the auditorium. Look, sometimes babies are really good, and there some, are some babies that are one or two years old, and they can sit quietly during a church service. And you know what? Praise God for that. But I'll tell you right now, that's not the norm. And don't just place this pressure on yourself and place this pressure on, on your baby, and don't allow someone else to place this pressure. Where they're like, oh, your little one-year-old's not sitting during the church service? You must suck as a mom. Don't let people, just be like, whatever, get out of here. They're one years old. They're two years old. Do your best. You know, and if you've got some kid that can do that, praise God for it. But not every kid can. And look, not all of your kids can. So just realize that kids are kids, and we've got to do our best. But what we're trying to do is when they're zero to one and a half, just realize that they're babies. Babies are babies. They're going to make noise. If they can sit in the auditorium because they're eating or they're playing quietly, or they're napping, that's not a problem. Once they get to two to three years old, you need to be actively training them to sit quietly so that they're not a seven-year-old in the auditorium, but they're a well-behaved four- and five-year-old sitting in the service. When they're four and five, they need to be able to sit quietly in church. I hope I'm being clear. Don't put these expectations on yourself and on your family and, and, and all this stuff. It's not healthy. It's not good. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Go backwards uh, uh, from, from Ephesians there, past Galatians, into 2 Corinthians, into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Here's number nine. And look, we're talking about how to be a part of a family integrated church. And it's good for me to preach this sermon several times. I preach this sermon a lot because we've started, you know, all these other churches, and I'll go there and I'll preach the same sermon to them because they need to hear because you need to hear. We need to be reminded, look, family integrated churches are unique, so the rules are a little different, so sometimes you just need to have somebody explain to you, 
hey, do this, don't do this. Here's number nine, how to be part of a family integrated church. Pick up your robe before you leave church. Pick up after yourself. Teach your children to pick up after themselves. You know that it's, it's, it's building character into your child to teach them, hey, before we leave church, let's pick up our mess that we made. Amen. You know, pick up and, t- and, and teach your children. Uh, something I'm very thankful uh, for my wife. She's very consistent with this. Every time we leave church, and sometimes we leave church very late. Sometimes it's very late when we leave church around here. And every time we leave church, she makes sure to get all the kids together, pick up your mess. Pick up, you know, it's good to teach children to be responsible, and to not be slobs, and to not just expect other people to pick up after them. So pick up your row before you leave church. You know, hey, you brought kids, and you've got, they're playing, and they're making a mess, and they're eating, and whatever. We understand that. No, no problem with that. But you should pick up your row before you leave church. 1 Corinthians 14.33, the Bible says, for God is not the author of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14.33, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints, let all things be done decently and in order. Look, all things should be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order, the Bible says. So you got to teach your kids to pick up. Look, I'm not saying that your kids need to go through and clean up the entire auditorium before they leave. I didn't, I'm not saying that, okay? But your row where you're sitting... If you just leave this huge mess, you know, you ought to pick up after yourself. You know, and not, not be this thing where the cleaners on Monday morning, they're like, oh, the so-and-so family must have sat here. Like, oh, the so-and-so family moved seats. I can tell because this is their mess. You know, pick up your row before you leave church. And by the way, you say, why should we do it? To, to help out the cleaners. You know, our, our church, we have three services a week. And as a result, we've got like six different cleaning groups, and, and I thank God for all of them. You know, we have people that clean up after, uh, uh, on Monday morning, after Sunday, after we have two church services in this building. This building gets filthy on Monday mornings. It's filthy, and it needs to be cleaned up. On Wednesday nights, after the Wednesday night service, it needs to be cleaned up. We have a group that comes in on Saturday to clean up. In between the services, between the Sunday morning and the Sunday night service, we have people that clean up the church and get it ready for the other service. And I'm thankful for them. I'll be very honest with you. My favorite ministry is the cleaning crew ministry. That's what I'm like the most thankful for. Because they work hard and nobody ever sees them. Nobody ever uh, sees what they're doing. And it's, it's a lot of work. But I thank God for them. And look, I realize that because... Monday morning is a Monday morning, and most people are at work or doing school or getting their week started. I, I get that. But I'll tell you this. Monday mornings is the hardest day to get cleaners to show up for. It's easier. It's not easy to get cleaners to show up, period. But it's easier to get them to show up on a Saturday or on a Sunday. It's hard to get people to show up on a Monday morning because Monday morning is a hard time. And I get that. But I just want you to understand this. It's the hardest time to get people to show up, and it's when the, when the church building's the dirtiest, Monday morning, after the weekend. So you say, well, what can I do? Well, here's what you can do to help. You can just clean up after yourself before you leave. Because the Monday morning cleaning, honestly, falls a lot on just the staff, the staff guys, and some faithful volunteers that show up on Monday, but it's hard to get people to, to, to come in on Monday. So something you could do is to 
pick up after yourself. Before you say, Pastor, you understand, you know, I work on Monday. I would come and clean. I work on Monday. My wife, she has six kids and she's homeschooling on Monday morning. We can't come. Look, I get that. I'm not mad at you. I, I understand. But here's something you could do is before you leave on Sunday night, you could look at your row, get your kids to clean up after themselves and help the Monday morning crew. And, and by the way, while we're talking about it, let me just say this. If you're a single adult or you're, maybe you're married, but you have no children, and you don't work, you're just sitting at home all day doing nothing, you need to show up to Monday morning cleaning. That's your ministry. God's calling you into that ministry. You know, I get it. You're like, well, Pastor, I work on Monday morning. Okay, but if you're some single adult with a vehicle and you're just sitting at home all day doing nothing, hey, the Monday morning cleaning ministry is for you. Show up. And, you know, here's a perfect example, and I don't usually... Uh, give names, but let me, let me give one name. Here's a perfect example of someone that I've been very impressed with is Miss Ava. Miss Ava is a staff wife here at our church, but she hasn't been a staff wife her whole life. For years, she was just a single lady at our church, and you know what? As a single lady that wasn't married, didn't have children, she just faithfully shows up when she's needed. On Mondays, she's faithful. She's faithful to soul winning times. She helps my wife. And people think like, oh, well, she does that because she's a staff wife. No, she's a staff wife because she does that, because she's done that. And even now, you know, Brother Shaw and Miss Ava are newer uh, marriage. They don't have children yet. And she steps in and she helps because she can't. One day they're going to have children and she's going to be homeschooling and she's not going to be able to show up on Mondays. But while she can, she does. And I'm thankful for it. You know, and that's something that's impressive, and that's something that you look at a young lady and you think, there's a hardworking young lady. In fact, I'll be honest with you, and Brother Shaw can, can tell you this. When Brother Shaw, when we, I was considering hiring him and bringing him on staff, obviously, I liked him. I was impressed with him. I talked to the other staff guys, and they told me that they liked him or whatever, and, and we hired him before he got married. He was just a few weeks away from getting married. But I had a talk with Brother Sean. I said, now look, I'm hiring you because I like you, but part of this is because of Miss Ava too. Because you're marrying Miss Ava. And it's like, and it's like, well, what if you married another girl? Then, it, then, then it's a, that's a different deal. Because I don't want lazy people on my staff team. I don't like lazy people. They irritate me. They bother me. I like hardworking people. I like people that show up and get stuff done and aren't expected to get credit and just want to help. So look, don't be lazy. Figure out where you can uh, help. Figure out what you can do. And get in this thing and work. Now, sometimes I have men. Men will come up to me and be like, Pastor, I'd like to rise up in leadership. I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? Well, I show up to Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, and I go soul winning. And here's what I always think to myself. Praise the Lord for that. But you just described to me what half of our church does. You just described to me what women in this church with seven children that homeschool their children do. You do what women with seven children do. Show up to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and soul winning, and I'm supposed to be impressed with that. Hey, leaders are supposed to do more. They're supposed to accomplish more. They're supposed to step up and do more. You know what my wife and I were doing? When we were 18 years old, we got married. And when we were 18, when we were 19, when we were 20, we, when we didn't have children. We were in a church. Obviously, we were in an old IFB church, so it's a little different. But you know, when we were 18 and 19 years old, you know what we were doing? We were taking a bus out and bringing 70 people to church every week. And it wasn't children. I know most bus ministries are children, but our bus was not that. We brought teenagers and adults to church. I was training all of the soul winners. 
at our church. I was printing all of the maps. And I had a big map, and we were printing all the maps for the soul winners. You said, were you on staff? Were you getting paid? No, as a volunteer. My wife and I were teaching the, the children's class on Wednesday night. My wife was teaching in the Christian school. This was before we really knew what we believe about those things or whatever. I'm just telling you, we weren't lazy. So you're going to have to step it up if you want to impress me. I'm not impressed. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and soul winning, that's what everybody does. Good night. That's what pregnant women in our church do. You know that pregnant women in our church work harder than the average pastor? What does that tell you? And I'm supposed to be impressed with some guy who's sure, why should I go to church and I go soul winning once a week? Oh, well, whoop-de-doo. You want to be a leader, step it up. Go to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. And look, you say, I don't want to be a leader. I just want to be a faithful church member. Okay, then show up to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But you know that most of our church members show up to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go soul winning, and serve, volunteer. It's embarrassing. Sometimes I look at the volunteer list, and there are names. I'm not going to mention them tonight. But there are names that I'm just like, this guy serves here. So he's an usher. He's an offering counter. He's a team captain. He's this, he's that. It's just like multiple things. I'm talking about grown men, businesses, busy, children. just at, And, and they, they still find a way to just volunteer and do a lot for God. You, you need to step it up. If you want to be a leader, Matthew 19. Number one, fathers, set the example and sit with your family during church. Number two, husbands, take the baby from time to time, like once a week, and allow your wife to sit through a church service. If your wife likes Wednesday night Bible studies, maybe let her sit through the Wednesday night Bible study. If she likes the Sunday night services, uh, where, you know, I'm a little more practical and meaner than give her the Sunday night service. She likes Sunday morning service, whatever it is. You know, pick a service she likes and, let, and tell her, I'm going to take the baby, you sit and, and watch uh, and, and be in church. And obviously, it may not work all the time. Maybe she's nursing, so she has to nurse. Just figure it out. Look, where there's a will, there's a way. You can figure it out. Don't be lazy about it. Number three, ladies do not use the mother baby rooms as a fellowship area during the church services. Now, you can use the mother baby rooms as a fellowship area before and after church service. But when the word of God begins to be preached, you got to close your mouth and pay attention. Obviously, you're tending to your children. You're watching to your children. I get that. But you shouldn't just be on your phones or just having some big old fellowship time. Number four, keep your kids from running or roughhousing before and after the church services. We've got pregnant ladies around here, elderly around here, disabled people around here. We can't afford to just have kids running into them and tackling them or whatever. So we want your kids to play. We want them to have a good time. We want, you know, they, they should be allowed to, to play, but don't let them get too rambunctious. We have a playroom. We have a fellowship hall. Make sure you're watching your kids. Number five, always watch your kids, period. Um, so if they're going to be in the fellowship hall, you get in that fellowship hall. And fellowship in that fellowship hall. Or watch them in the playroom or do whatever you got to do. Always watch your kids. Number five. Number six, use your family Bible time or homeschool time at home to train your kids to sit through the church services. Number seven, use the mother baby rooms to train your kids to sit in the church services. Number eight, do not allow your children to be a distraction during the church services. Number nine, 
Pick up your row before you leave church. Number 10, we're done. If you have no children, you're just like, this is the greatest sermon ever. I've got no kids and these little rotten brats. Okay, this one's for you. If you have no children, be patient with those who do. Training kids is a lot of work. And we don't always get it right. Even when you're trying and you're trying to do everything right, sometimes they're going to run and break something and do something. And, and look, if you don't have children or if your children are growing, it always amazes me how like people will have their grow and they're like, my kids would never do X, Y. I'm like, your kids don't even go to church. Shut up. <laughs> my kids would never act like, is it your kid in prison? Like, you know, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't get this, you know, attitude like, these kids are bad. Look, the kids in this church are some of the greatest kids in this country. They're good kids. They're being raised in good homes. They come to a church like this, where I get up and tell the the dads and the moms, wake up, (laughs) do something good for your kids. They're good kids, but they're kids. So just be patient with them. Sometimes they're going to cry. Sometimes they're going to run. Sometimes they're going to break things. Sometimes they're going to just be patient this is a family-integrated church. Matthew 19, verse 33. And then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you have no children or your children are grown, just please be patient and gracious with these young families. It's hard. And people, you know, people say, well, when I was raised with my kids, they, they, my kids never did it. It's like you went to a church where they had a nursery. You dropped off your kid with some strangers for two hours. Yeah, of course they never did anything wrong. Of course they never cried. This is a family-integrated church. Just be patient. Be patient. You know, if you don't have children or your kids are grown, you know, I think you ought to sit strategically. Sit strategically. Say, what does that mean? Here's what that means. If a mom needs to be near the door so she can get out with her kid who's one years old, you know, and you're some single grown man, why are you sitting there? You're single, you got no kids, here's a row for you right here. You know, let the mom sit in the back with the kids. Let the mom sit by the doors with the kids. Sit strategically, be patient. You say, I don't like these kids making all this noise. Would well, you want to hear them if you were sitting right there? You want to hear them? If you're sitting right here, you wouldn't hear them. If, you, if they were sitting behind you, you wouldn't hear them. Let the mom sit there. They need it. They're training their kids. If you have no children or your kids are grown, be patient with them. Pray for them. Love on those kids. Love on those moms. Instead of making them feel bad because their kid, did, you know, encourage them and say, hey, I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job with those six kids. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to go sit on the front row because you're bothering me. <laughs> if you have no children, be patient with those kids. It's about her tonight. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for our family integrated church. And I thank you for these families and I thank you for these kids, Lord. These are some great families. These are some great kids. And I look forward to seeing the great things they're going to do for God as they grow older. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to remember that this is a family-integrated church. And that means that there's a lot of work that goes into this. And I pray that you'd help moms and dads 
and siblings and single people and grown adults to just figure out where they can help, what they can do to help, where they can get involved. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the great members of this church. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.